make the Lord your refuge and he will save you. Hello. Hello. Greetings from uh, from RCBC. My name is Brandon, uh, and my wife is Christine. We're members at RCBC, which is a church plant of you guys, of WSBC. And so it's good to be here, being able to come back to you guys and, and bless you with the preaching of the word today. Um, well, it may be happening again. Lockdown is happen, happening at least in several different Xiaochus here or in Xuhui. Are we still in Xuhui? In Xuhui. All around my Xiaochu, where all around us, they're kind of locked down at least for a couple days. And Christine, my wife, she almost went to Ikea last night. She told me that this morning. And uh, apparently everybody who went to Ikea last night has become a secondhand contact. You, you feel a little bit of something as uh, kind of nervousness watching, watching it potentially happen again here in Shanghai. Because there's various dangers that come with lockdown, as we all know. There's the questions of whether or not we'll be able to get food this time as it starts back up, if it does. There's always the possible that somebody will have a medical emergency and getting to the hospital can, can sometimes be mafan, a lot of mafan. And then also, there's the financial dangers that come with each lockdown. And then there's also the psychological danger. You wonder, will this ever end? Am I going to go crazy? Well, if you're feeling how I'm feeling, I hope the truth of Psalm 91 can bring you encouragement to your soul today. Psalm 91 tells us to trust in the Lord, and He will be your refuge. In the face of another potential lockdown, trust in the Lord, and He will be your refuge. In the face of other dangers that are bearing down upon you, trust in the Lord, and He will be your refuge. Let me begin by praying and asking God to illuminate our hearts to His Word. Father, thank You for Your Word, which shines light into the darkness of sin, suffering, and the confusion of this world. This afternoon, we have come to you with our own personal hurts and our questions. Please speak to us today from your word, we pray. Please give us hearts and minds to hear and to trust and to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the text, Psalm 91, is printed in your bulletin. Um, or if you want to turn to your Bible, I'll read it. To you guys and so please read along with me listen along as I read he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror, by, terror of the night, 
nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, the main point of Psalm 91 is clear. Make the Lord your refuge and he will save you. In the psalm, it divides into four sub-points. The first is verses 1 to 2. Make the Lord your refuge. Make the Lord your refuge. The second, verses 3 to 10, He will deliver you from all danger. He will deliver you from all danger. And the third point is verses 11 to 13. Christ earned this protection for you. Christ earned this protection for you. And finally, verses 14 to 16. He will satisfy you with salvation. He will satisfy you with salvation. Well, look with me in verse 1. Verse 1 begins with a fact about God and men. The one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. These words in verse 1, they communicate a few different things. First of all, the author is positing that there exists a God who is most high and who is almighty. In the Bible, the first time we see the phrase most high is after God has helped Abraham, along with just 318 men, defeat a coalition army made up of the armies of four kings. And so that's many, many, many more than 318 men, 319 men. God gave that huge army into Abraham's hands. God protected Abraham, and so they praised God as the God Most High. Throughout the Bible, we can read many other accounts of God helping His people to defeat vast and mighty enemies in battle. God proves over and over again that He is the God Most High. Almighty, also in verse 1, is another one of God's names. In Hebrew, it's it's the name El Shaddai. You've heard that before, some of you. And El Shaddai, Almighty, it describes God's infinite omnipotence. God appeared to Abraham and he said, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. And Abraham fell on his face. So if you told God, you are Almighty, God would not say, Nali, Nali, Neshama. No, God would say, no. He would say, that's right, that's my name, Almighty. Oh, how often we forget the power of God. 
how often we forget the power of God. When we read the history of the Israelites, we see that they were also quick to forget the power of God. This is one of the reasons that we should practice reading and memorizing the scriptures. It's so common for us to experience the deliverance and the grace of God on one day, and then later the next day, later the next day or even that same day, we completely forget about the power and the faithfulness of God. So read God's word daily. Memorize and meditate on his word throughout the day so that you will not forget that the Lord is the Lord Most High and his, that his name is Almighty God. Therefore, if God is the Most High and the Almighty, then God has the ability to protect his people from danger. And then we might ask the question, will, will the Almighty God protect those who seek refuge in him? The author, he answers this question in the first verse also. The author says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So if you choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, then you will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And so in verse 1, we see that God is both able and willing to protect the people who seek refuge in Him. And in verse 2, we see that we see that we have a choice to make. Will we trust in the Lord? Will we choose to make the Lord our refuge or not? And um, everybody, on the plan everybody on the planet must choose what their refuge will be. What does the Lord say? What does the, the psalmist say in verse 2? He says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So the psalmist says, I am going to choose to trust in the Lord to make him my refuge. And this is a choice that every person on the planet must, must make. Similar to when COVID began in, in China, no one knew anything about the disease. No one knew how deadly or contagious it was. All we knew was that Wuhan and then some of the rest of the country were going into lockdown. And so if you were a foreigner, some of the foreigners, they were, the foreign community, they all started making decisions. Do we stay in China or do we, or do we go back to our home country? And everybody making this decision, they all made different choices. It's the same way regarding whether or not we trust in God. Everyone must make their own decision. And so in verse 2, the author of the psalm says, I'm going to choose God. I'm going to make God my refuge. We know that many do not do that, but what about you? Will you make God your refuge? Do you trust God? Do you run to God when you are afraid? Do you turn towards God in prayer whenever you feel anxious? Making God your refuge doesn't mean that you don't take other precautions. We don't say, I'm trusting God, so I'm not going to go see a doctor, or I'm trusting God to provide for me, so I'm not going to go to work. That's a misunderstanding of what it means to trust in God. Trusting in God, part of trusting in God means that we are going to do our best to take care of the things that God has given us to care for so that we should wisely care for our bodies, our families, and our careers. But trusting God also means that we know that we are finite and we are limited in our abilities. Despite all our efforts, there are some enemies and some dangers that we cannot defeat. But God can, and God will. So will you say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust? Or perhaps you'd like to consider your other options. 
If you don't trust in God, what are the other options? Many people trust in money. That's a temptation many of us have. Money can buy the best health care. It can hire an army of bodyguards. It can buy an education, which could also bring us a good job. But what can money not do? Money cannot defeat death. Money cannot bring happiness. Often, the happiest people seem to be those with the least amount of money. And even the best health care cannot defeat some diseases. Some people trust in guanxi and relationships. My people will take care of me, we say. But there are some dangers that are bigger than your people. And we see that with COVID and even through COVID, uh, through what COVID is doing to the economy, that guanxi also has its limitations. Some people trust in hard work, and that's the American dream. If I work hard enough, everything will work out for me. But this also has its limitations. If you, work, if you work hard enough, you might make some money, but not necessarily. And you will still find yourself vulnerable to the larger storms of life. And so the author of the psalm, he doesn't choose money or relationships or hard work. He says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. But why? Why should we trust God? Can God really protect me when I'm in danger? And that's what the psalmist wants to talk about now. Why should you make God your refuge? Because God will deliver you from danger. And notice that the psalmist doesn't say God can deliver you from danger. He says God will deliver you from danger. And this is point number two. The Lord will deliver you from all danger. I want you to pay special attention to the extent of the individual protection promised in verses 1 to 10. Look in verse 3. He promises the deliverance from the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence. The snare of the fowler what is that? That's the trap of somebody who catches birds. It's, a symbol, it's symbolic of personal enemies. That God will deliver you from any person who is trying to entrap you. This includes normal people, and it also includes spiritual beings. God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. But God does not only promise protection from personal dangers, He also promises deliverance from impersonal dangers. God will protect you from the deadly pestilence. Pestilence is a fancy word for sickness. God will deliver you from sickness. He continues in verse 4. God is not going to just protect you from afar. He will cover you as if he is hiding you under his wings. And the faithfulness of God is a shield that protects you from all attacks. So the psalmist, he lived in a time and a place where wars and battles were fairly common. And so this protection that was promised was literal protection in battle. Though to my, to my knowledge, uh, actually I, I don't know, most of you probably haven't experienced actual combat. But many of you have experienced different forms of attack from people around you throughout your life. Verse 5 says that if you trust in God, you will not have to fear the weapons of man in the night or the day. You will be safe all of the time. And verse 6 promises protection from impersonal dangers like diseases both day and night. 
Verse 7 contrasts the person who trusts in the Lord versus the thousands who do not. Though thousands fall around you, they will not come near you. You will only see the recompense of the wicked. In verses 9 and 10, they reinforce the reason that you will be protected. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. And so as you can see, the author makes it clear that God will deliver the one who makes him his refuge. But I hope now that in your mind you are asking the same question that I asked when I prepared this sermon. How can this be true? How can there be a promise in the Bible that God will deliver the person who seeks refuge in him from all harm? There are so many examples in the Bible of faithful people who God did not deliver from harm. Like Job, who we read about in the scripture earlier. Job was a righteous man who trusted God. Yet Job lost his family and all of his property. He was also plagued with a painful skin disease. And these things happened not because of his sin, but because of his righteousness, because he trusted in the Lord. More importantly, there's the fact that we follow Jesus. And Jesus was the most faithful, obedient, trusting person who trusted God who ever lived. Yet Jesus suffered torture and death at the hands of his enemies. Some of God's most faithful people experienced horrible physical harm throughout the Bible. So how can the promises for physical protection here be true? Well, there are actually several ways that these promises are true. I want to explain a few of them to you. First, the promises for physical protection to the faithful are true under the Mosaic Covenant. They're true under the Mosaic Covenant. What is the Mosaic Covenant? What am I talking about? I'm talking about when God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt. God, once God freed the Israelite people from slavery in, slavery in Egypt, he brought them to a mountain called Sinai. That's how we say it in Texas, Sinai. It's kind of funny. Anyways, <laughs> I'll try to not do that. So, and so God, God brought the people of Israel to a mountain called Sinai, and he made a covenant with the Israelites. This covenant that God made with the Israelites is called the Old Covenant or the Mosaic Covenant. And in this covenant that God made with the people of Israel, God pledged to be their God, and the Israelites pledged to be God's people. And if the people of Israel were faithful to their covenant God, then God would bring upon them all sorts of blessings. And these blessings included protection. They included um, fruitfulness. But if the people of Israel turned away from God and followed after other gods, then instead of the blessings, God would send the curses upon the Israelites. And if you keep reading after, after they're at Mount Sinai there, then if you keep reading the rest of the Bible, it tells you the tragic story of the nation of Israel, that they were not faithful to that covenant. They continually broke that covenant with God by rejecting God. They rejected God and they, as a community, they followed after idols as God's nation. And therefore, they continually experienced the curses that God had promised. 
But Psalm 91 is one of the many calls for the people of Israel to return to the covenant God, to return to, in faithfulness to the God of the Mosaic Covenant. So if as a nation they returned to that covenant faithfulness to God, then God would bring His blessings of protection and provision upon the people. And so you see how, that's, how this psalm is true for them. The psalmist was an Israelite under the Mosaic Covenant. And he was saying, I am making the Lord my God and my refuge. And through this psalm, he's calling all the other Israelites to come back to faithfulness to the true God and the blessing of his covenant. And if as a community they turn together and make God their refuge, then God will, will, he will turn his blessings upon them, the blessings of protection and salvation. And that's the first way that these promises are true for the people of Israel. But there's more. These promises for physical protection, they are also true in a messianic way. What does messianic mean? It's, messianic means Messiah, regarding the Messiah. From the beginning of the Bible, God began to tell his people to expect a savior, someone who would come and save them from their sin. As you read further into the scriptures, God provides more detail about the Messiah who will save the, his people. And by the time Psalm 91 was written, the Israelites knew that one day an offspring of King David, a new righteous king, would come and save the Israelites from their enemies. And so for the Messiah to be successful, God would have to give this Messiah all the physical protection here in Psalm 91. Does that make sense? So this, all the, the victory and the physical protection here in Psalm 91 is pointing towards that Messiah that the Israelites were waiting for, the Savior, this Davidic Savior. And that's why in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus, the Messiah, finally came, Satan used this very messianic psalm to tempt Jesus. If you've read Matthew chapter 4, um, you've seen these verses in, 11, in verses 11 to 13. Satan told Jesus, he quoted this psalm, he said, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In verse 12, On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now I'll read to you Matthew chapter 4. It says, The devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, and, okay, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan here is acknowledging what all the Jews of the time, including Jesus, believed, that Psalm 91 is about Jesus, it's about him, the Messiah. And if you think about Jesus' life before his crucifixion, we can, see that all, we can see all the various ways that God protected Jesus, the Messiah, from death by his enemies, and also death by disease. As Jesus prepared for his work of salvation, we see several times that Jesus' Jesus's enemies wanted and even tried to kill him. But Jesus was protected by God. What would Jesus do? He would just walk right through them as they were coming to stone him or, or, or kill him. 
And then we, see, we also see Jesus touching all kinds of diseased people, that God protected Jesus from leprosy and all these other diseases until Jesus voluntarily laid his life down in order to save humankind. The physical protection in Psalm 91 was true about Jesus. And so Psalm 91 is true according to the Mosaic Covenant. It's also true in a messianic way, but there's more. Psalm 91 is also true in a revelational way. What does this mean? It means that sometimes, in special cases, God decides to give miraculous physical protection to his faithful. Like I said earlier, there are plenty of faithful people, people who trust in God, who also die terrible and early deaths. But sometimes, God, in order to graciously reveal himself, he will give miraculous protection. It's revelational. A great example of this from Scripture is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are three young Hebrew men who were in exile serving the Babylonian king. And when they refused to bow down to an idol, the Babylonian king prepared to burn them in an in a oven, a furnace. But the three men told the king this. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. God was in no way obligated to physically protect these three youth, and they knew this. They maintained the possibility that God might not protect them. Yet, God chose at that moment to reveal himself to King Nebuchadnezzar and everyone else, and even us as readers, through the protection that he gave that day to the three men. So, God, so Psalm 91 is true for us sometimes in a revelational way, that God chooses to reveal himself through protecting us, through answering our prayers for protection. And there's application here for you and I. God is not obligated to give you physical protection in this life. We are to expect and even rejoice in suffering if we cannot avoid it. But there are times when God might choose to protect us from physical suffering in order to reveal himself to us and to others around us. He doesn't have to do this, and he definitely doesn't always do this. But he does this sometimes. And so when we encounter times of physical danger, we can glorify God by asking him to protect us from physical danger. If God decides to reveal himself through protecting us, then we testify to that. We say, God answered my prayers and he, he, he delivered me from, from this sickness. He, he heard my prayer and he delivered me. Praise God. We asked and God heard our cry. He delivered us. Praise God who delivers us from danger. And at the same time, we should pray for deliverance in the way that Jesus did when he was in Gethsemane. How did Jesus pray? He, how did Jesus pray in Gethsemane? He prayed like this. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's Luke twenty-two forty-two. God can and sometimes does reveal himself by giving us miraculous deliverance. But God also chooses to reveal himself sometimes in a much more powerful way. What is that? That's through our suffering. God through the cross of Christ, he revealed his love and his wisdom 
His mercy and His grace, and His power and His justice through suffering. And God has not only chosen to reveal Himself through the suffering of Christ, God also reveals Himself in the world through the suffering of Christ's disciples, through your, through your suffering and through my suffering. And that might sound mean for God to reveal Himself through your suffering, but it's not mean. It's meaningful. It's loving. God's revealing Himself through our suffering. It gives our suffering great meaning. I can reveal God through this suffering. God can reveal Himself through my suffering. Paul, to the Christians at a church in Philippi, the Apostle Paul, he wrote and said to them, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. What are you suffering from right now? What do you desire protection from right now? Do what you can do as a steward of the resources that God has given you. Seek protection for your family, your body, your job. But don't forget to pray and ask God for, for deliverance. And as you pray, submit yourself to God's will. Pray along with Jesus, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. All right, now we're going to get to the really, really good part. How, the, how are the physical promises for protection true in Psalm 91? We've considered that they are true in the Mosaic way. They're true in the Messianic way. They're true in a revelational way. But they are also true in a spiritual way. If you are a Christian, if you have turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus, then you are promised unfailing spiritual protection. You are promised unfailing spiritual protection. Other people may be able to harm or even kill your body, but they cannot touch your soul. A disease can overcome your body, but sin can no longer overcome your soul. The Bible gives spiritual promises of protection for believers that we need to know and hold on to. I remember as a youth, I, um, I visited another church kind of like today, and I heard, I heard that pastor preach on um, John chapter 10, verses 20 to, 27 to 30. And these verses say, My sheep hear my voice. Is Jesus talking about his sheep. And he said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So can you, can you hear the similarity now with the protection of Psalm 91 there? What kind of protection is that? As Christians, we are the sheep of Jesus. No one can snatch us out of Jesus' our shepherd's hands, and no one is able to snatch us out of the Father's hand. Jesus and the Father are one. What else needs to be said? Spiritually speaking, you are at perfect peace and safety in the Father's hands, and nothing can come close to you for harm. Psalm 91 is true for you spiritually. 
Paul the Apostle, he also talks about it in Romans chapter 8. He speaks about our spiritual protection in Christ. Listen to how he says it in Romans chapter 8, and starting in verse 32, or 31. He says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, is, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you are threatened by spiritual dangers, or when you are threatened by physical dangers, whether it be COVID or anything else, remember that spiritually and eternally, you are perfectly protected in Christ. Nothing can touch you. I hope that listen listening to all of this is not too much of a good thing. It's like, that's a lot of good stuff, but it's a lot. <laughs> because I have one more for you. Uh, one more explanation of how the physical protections promised in Psalm 91 are true for you. And this is a fun one because it's a fun word. They are true eschatologically. Eschatologically. Isn't that encouraging? Uh all right, eschatologically. What does that big funny word mean? Eschatologically refers to end times. The end times. So the physical promises of, of protection in Psalm 91, they are true for Christians because one day, for those who trust in Christ, God will, will remove all of these physical threats. Right? In, in the end times. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 promises that in the end times, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. In these last days, God will give perfect and complete protection, not just from all physical danger, but protection from all danger in general. You who take refuge in Jesus will enjoy an eternity of protection and rest from danger. It is with this hope that Jesus was able to face his suffering. It was with this confidence that Paul and all the saints of old could persevere in the face of their dangers and threats. Your future safety will give you strength to face these dangers that lay before you in this life. And so that's the second point in verses, oh, that, that was, um, yeah, that was the second point in verses 3 to 13 that, sorry, uh, 
this, I turned it into a three-point sermon in the middle of a sermon. So the second point is that God will deliver you from danger. The third point is in verses 11 to 16, that God will satisfy you with salvation. God will satisfy you with salvation. Verses 14 to 15, they highlight the fact that this salvation, this relationship with God is personal. Verses 13, in verses 13, um, verses, the first 13 verses of Psalm 91, there are different people talking about God, right? You got somebody saying a general truth about God in verse 1, and then it turns to the author. He starts talking about himself, I myself, and then he starts saying you, right? And so these are people talking. But in verse 14, the speaker becomes who? It becomes God himself in verse 14. Verse 14, God himself says, Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Observe the personal nature of our salvation. Our refuge is not a thing. It's not money. It's not education. It's not power. Our salvation and our refuge is a person. It's a true saving relationship with God. It's not a relationship where we just use God for salvation. Rather, it's a relationship where we recognize who God is in all his glory. We worship him. We love him for who he is. It's a relationship where we also recognize all that God has done for us. Our love for God will be manifest even in times when there seems to be no hope of life before our eyes. There was a prophet named Habakkuk, and he said it like this. When it looked like there was no physical protection around him, Here's what he said in verse 17, uh, I think chapter 3. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. And he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Our refuge is the personal God whom we cling to and love. And in verse 14, it continues. God says, I will protect him because why? Because he knows my name. To know God's name is to know God. It's to have God's name often on your lips. When we forget somebody's name, it usually means that we do not know them very well, it's, it's been a re, or it's been a really long time since we've seen them. But the person whose refuge is God often has the name of God on their lips. They know who their God is. And since Jesus has come, God has told us to pray in the name of Jesus, and we pray to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, and so we pray to the triune God, and now notice in verse 15, the personal, um, there's a personal aspect to this relationship. God says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. We were created and reconciled to God through Christ so that we could have communion with God, so that we could, we could uh, be born again to have a relationship with God. The person who seeks refuge in the Lord does not just sit quietly when he or she is in trouble. No, we have a relationship with God. We cry out to God. The book of Psalms 
It mostly consists of prayers that are crying out to the Lord for help. These are God's people throughout, throughout the years and uh, the, I don't know how many years, but they're crying out to the Lord for help. And when we think about Jesus himself, he often spent time alone in prayer, crying out to the Lord. God is with you in your troubles. Cry out to him. And finally, in the last verse, we see that God's salvation is not only personal, but it is good. The amazing thing about our God is that he doesn't, he doesn't just save us and leave us to figure things out by ourselves. He doesn't just save us from things that are dangerous. He saves us to things. He saves his people to honor. And God saves his people to long life. For Christians, our promise is that he saves us to eternal life. So praise the Lord. Take refuge in the Lord. For he is the God who saves indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this good news. This good news of your love for us. This good news that you brought to us through our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we know that we live in this world as those who follow Jesus in his suffering. And yet we also know that you have given us such great promises of spiritual protection and of future physical protection. Lord, we can even enjoy times in our lives where you reveal yourself by answering our prayers for protection at times. We also can enjoy our times where you reveal yourself in our sufferings. Lord, we thank you that you are such a good God we thank you for your care for us. We pray and ask God that you help us to be encouraged and to seek you all the more in our trials. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.